0: Hello and welcome to be Bell podcast. I hope you're enjoying all the podcasts. And this morning, I've invited someone that's changed a lot since I've known her. Um, and I'm sure she will go through the full story of how she's got to where she is today. Um, I'm really, really going to enjoy this one. And I hope you do too, um, as we welcome Kleena O'Hanlon. Kleena, welcome. Hi. I'm quite excited to have you here today. Um, in in my uh, little prelude there, I, you know, you're a very different person to the person that I met a few years back, um, and so I'm really excited to hear about your story. Thank
1: you so much. I'm so honoured to be here.
0: Oh, well, I'm delighted that you could make it. And um,
1: so, have you listened to any of the bebel podcasts? I knew this was going to be the first question. <laughs> no, you're allowed I have to say, no. no, I haven't. I haven't, to be quite honest. Um, I do follow all of your. People that you come, you you bring on an interview and I've seen all of the guests that have come on. They're on my to do list.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, you're fine. And actually, sometimes um, I have said to people, don't listen to anything because I like it to be really natural. Mm -hmm. um, And we like to start from right from the
1: beginning. So where were you born? Where was I born? I was born in the Erneval in Cork okay. uh, in 1984 on the 25th of June, which my birthday just gone, ah. at 10 to 8 in the evening. Fabulous. <laughs> and to whom? What, were working parents. Um, like, par- what yeah. was your What was your upbringing like? My upbringing. Um, yeah, working parents. Um, both of my parents originally from McCroom. Um My father was in the um hospital and laboratory kind of equipment. He moved from the dairy industry into into that. Um, my mum would have worked in the Mercy Hospital in the yeah. records department, the admin, and she gave up work when I came along. Okay. And what were you like as a kid? Um sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Um I was an only child for six and a half years. So um I can remember my formative years when I kind of look back now and it, it's funny, like it's kind of very much led into the work I'm doing now. But I remember being the type of child where the experiences I experienced, really, experienced really impacted me profoundly. I felt things very deeply. I remember when E.T. came out first. Yeah. This is going back a bit now, isn't it? And my parents had a few people over that evening and I was sitting in the chair watching E.T. for the first time. And my dad came in and he was he said, all I saw is you were absolutely distraught. And it was E.T. had to leave the family. And I remember that was the first time I thought, okay, like, you know, this is unusual that I'm really this upset over something like this. Uh, So I was a very sensitive child.
0: Yeah. No, but I think there's nothing wrong with that. I've actually just I'm watching that program at the moment. Do Do you know Seven Up? They're doing 63 up at the moment. Nope. So they say, give me a a man, a child before he's seven, Mm -hmm. and I will show you the man. Mm. And this documentary Mm. follows people from all different paths of life, Mm -hmm. from seven, 14, 21. They're 63 now. And some of them are with us and some of them aren't. But it's the most fascinating documentary. Mm. I think you'd actually love it. Okay. but yeah, I, and, and it is those formative years up to the seven, they mm-hmm. prove that actually that moulds you forever.
1: Absolutely. And I think actually they've even brought it back down a little yeah. lower to even five, which yeah. you know, it just goes to show how, how crucial those formative years are.
0: Yeah. And when you were no longer the, the only child, was it a boy
1: or a girl that came along? A girl, my sister Katie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she was a fabulous addition, although she cramped my style a little bit and um, but you know the gap. I suppose the gap between us was quite substantial. I yes. think kind of growing up, but it was kind of later in life that we really started to connect and bond and get along. And she's one of my best friends now. Cliché and all as that sounds. No,
0: I've, <laughs> I've four. I have 4 i sisters, and I get it. And um, we spent probably ten years. First ten years fighting. Second ten years annoying each other and and we're so close now totally is it just the two of you just
1: the two of us yeah I think I didn't sleep through the night until I was two years and ten months this number is ingrained into my head my mum likes to remind me quite a lot Uh, so I think it definitely led to kind of quite a substantial gap between me and my sister and like even from my own experience, I'd say looking back, I would imagine my mum may have experienced a little bit of postnatal depression as well, which yeah. a lot of women do. Yeah. Um, and that may have been. Now that she's never admitted it, like, yes. but she's a sensitive woman as well, so, um, I think that may have led to the substantial gap. Yeah. And did you love school? Did I love school? You know what, right? I was I was very nerdy in school, and yeah. um, I was very diligent, and um, uh, an A one student. I I was very competitive, um, yeah, I absolutely loved it until um, later in secondary school. I started to get distracted by boys. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that happened to us all at some point. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And and so from second, did you like? Were you in? team sports were you active uh, kind of... I was
1: more I was more the creative side okay. so I would have been into you know arts and crafts yes. um, I was massively into uh, writing do you, do you, I don't know did, did you do this in your school with yeah. calligraphy competitions yeah, absolutely. I love that Um, and yeah the creative side was a massive part of my schooling years and did you always know what you wanted to do like did, were you one of these
0: childs that when I leave school I'm just going to be this no,
1: Shannon, no I'm still figuring that out yeah <laughs> That's an ever-evolving journey, isn't it? Yeah. Um, no, no. Genuinely, there was nothing that I ever really thought that's definitely what I want to do.
0: Okay. And so, when you came out of school, where did you direct yourself?
1: Um, so yeah. So I, I. <laughs> this is really funny. So I forced my parents to send me to Hewitt College, which is a, a private school for okay. for leaving cert. So they invested quite a substantial amount of money into that for me to go. Bearing in mind though I didn't really I wasn't aiming for like, you know, doctors yeah. or, or, or anything like that. Um so of course, because you know it was education focused, they obliged. Um and I did, I think I did I think think I did well in my leaving cert. I think I got four eighty five points, which, you know, I was out a lot that year. Yeah. I made great I made great friends there. Um, so I left and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I had applied for an arts degree in UCC. I got it and picked subjects based on what I thought, oh, this would sound very impressive for people okay. to know that we're doing. So I picked like economics. I hadn't even done business studies for my leaving cert. Um, computer science. I'm not technically gifted. Um, Sociology and psychology, which I loved. There was just a huge amount of work involved in them. So I'd say I attended maybe four to five max lectures in the first three months. I didn't even sit the uh, exams for Christmas and I quit. Yeah. Um, And... Yeah, so they weren't really hugely impressed with me over that. <laughs> so when that happens,
0: and in fact, my nephew recently has made a decision, um, and I my advice to him was, don't go and tell them you want to leave. Go and tell them what you're going to do instead. Absolutely. So what did you tell totally. those? <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
1: well, I'm leaving, but he <laughs> was like, I'm leaving, and power pivot. Yes. Um. So I actually became pregnant um, at eighteen. Um, okay. with one of my first, I always say, I always tell the story and say partners. I'm like, do you have a partner at 18? No, you don't. You have a boyfriend. Yeah. So my yeah. first kind of long term boyfriend, um, I fell pregnant unexpectedly, which kind of, I suppose, really had me looking inwards at, you know, OK, so maybe it's not the career path I'm going down. It's, it's more motherhood. Um, this was a very unexpected pregnancy and it was a huge shock to my family. Um, I suppose this is what, I'm 35 now going back to when I was 18. yes, Maths aren't great, what's that, about 17 17 17 years. years. Um, This wasn't the norm back then and of course all of the inhibitions and fears would come up with your parents. Um, My dad was, was, I wouldn't say he was delighted, but he was understanding. My mum was fairly distraught, she just felt that my whole future was going to be impeded. Um, But... As time went by, they got used to it. And we were kind of quite looking forward to uh, baby Fitzgerald coming yes. along. Um, and you probably know the story. Yes. But for just for the the, the, the listeners, um, my I ended up going into early labour at 28 weeks. And my baby was delivered by emergency caesarean. And he was not compatible with life. He didn't make it. So... Kind of what followed for me was, I suppose, the first of my bleakest periods yeah. in my life. Um, you know, I really thought my life was going in one direction. And within, uh, you know, 24 hours, I was left with a very different reality. Um, and, and, it,
0: and very young to deal with it as well. Absolutely.
1: You know, I mean, I look back at that period in my life and think, wow, I was so young to go through that. Yeah. And at the same time, I do believe I was, you know, I had such a sense of resilience at that time. When you are that young, that resilience is naturally kind of inbuilt. I yes. I believe for me anyway, it was. That was my reality. Um and that like I that was a really, really black, bleak period of my life. Um I attempted suicide yeah. unsuccessfully. Thank thank God. Um and after a few months, I, I said, you know, look, I really have to start taking responsibility. Um, And I actually ended up getting a job in Origin Hair Design in Cork in the hairdressing industry. Wow. Um, which really allowed me the capacity to be in an environment that was really fun, cr- creative, which I adored, and um, full of kind of really inspiring, cool people. It was trendy and was earning money. So I always look at the hairdressing industry as a part of such a foundational support system of me becoming i suppose back into more of myself so and do you think like you obviously hadn't dealt with it at that no, point in time all, not at all in true irish style completely so suppressed it, suppressed it yeah. um, you know yeah distracted myself from it you know focused on something else like I did, I did attend a counselling session. I didn't gel with the counsellor, so okay. I decided at that point counselling wasn't for me. I wasn't Isn't aware of
0: totally. some people say counselling is not for me, and then you say who who have you been to? That they say one, one person. person, and you go you. It, that's like making a new friend. You Absolutely, can't always like someone. Yeah, so you have to try another route.
1: That's it. Like I didn't, I didn't realise the importance of chemistry yeah. between you know your, your 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 counsellor and you. I just decided, ah, oh, this is crap. It doesn't suit me. And just completely rolled it off. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah.
0: So you took you took the work instead. Uh, totally. That became your. That became my focus. The Absolutely. team of people that you worked in, the strength of them. Absolutely. And I'm sure having I know Origin and then they're great fun. Yes. So I'm sure that would have distracted
1: you Ab- quite well, actually. Absolutely. I? <laughs> like you know, Vicky and Fergal, yeah. who I'd still be very very friendly with. um really took me under their wing and, and minded me for the year. You know, I made such a great network of new friends who didn't relate me to, you know, the trauma I'd been through, which was really important yes. to me because I didn't want to be constantly reminded. Because when something like this happens... um. I totally understand now looking back, you know, it can be an awkward thing for people to broach, to discuss. I mean, I had a few instances when people like come up to me afterwards going, oh, my God, you had the baby. What did you have? And having to tell the story over and over. And you know what? Like, it actually is more awkward because you're putting that person in a situation that they're not aware of. And to have a new group of friends who are like vibrant and happy and you know, didn't know a huge amount about my history was such a saving grace in order for me to just distract and not actually deal yes. with it. And And were you and your boyfriend at the time, did you, were you still together? Um, We stayed together for about, um, I'd say about maybe six or seven months. Um, When, again, when I kind of look back on that part of my life, When something like that happens, you know, there's so much emphasis and support and focus placed on the woman and not as much on the man. And I think this is really important to stress just because the man isn't carrying the baby. You know, he's still part of the Mm. whole journey. He's part of the imagination and the creative process of looking into the future for the next 18 years with all the different milestones um, from conception to, you know, delivery. To them throughout, um, and maybe he didn't receive the type of support that he maybe should have got, and it led him down um, a path I'd say non-preferable to him. Yes. Um. So we we split up after about yeah after. But in that year, I can't remember exactly, um, and at that point, then I decided I was going to move to London. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And where did
0: you move
1: to? I moved to Hertfordshire. Lovely. Uh, St. Albans. We love Hertfordshire. It's beautiful, isn't yes. it? St. Albans, um, where I trained with Tony and Guy for four years. Amazing. Yeah. So, um, again... You know, totally running away and avoiding and distracting yeah. everything that happened. Nobody over there knew anything about me. Yes. Um, so it was like starting fresh, which was so magnificent. Bear in mind, I was only 19 as well, moving yeah. there over right there. I had no commitments, no responsibilities, only just to do my work and pay bills. So that was probably a little bit responsible. Um, but, did you flat share over there? Oh, did I what? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say I, I moved about. Oh my god, every six months when I was over there. So yeah. I'm a pro at packing and Yes. <laughs> packing and moving. Yes, yes absolutely. Hopefully <laughs> not too
0: swiftly. What were you up to?
1: Um what, like what was I up to? I think they're just short term lettings. Yeah. You know? Um that was very the way it was then and it kind of suited me to yes. move around. Ma I created such a vast network of different types of groups of friends, so I was always out, always socializing. Um, so, yeah, that was behind the move. So
0: four, four years at Tony and Guy brings you back fully qualified.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you made the decision not to stay in London with them. I did. Yeah. Like I think I was, what, 23 coming home. Yeah. Like at that point, all of my friends over there were, you know, buying cars. They were okay. going on holidays a couple of times a year. I was paying bills, you know, I was paying rent. I was paying and I was like, oh, this is way too serious for me altogether. And um, so I did. I made the decision to move home. Um, where I began in a hair salon balancolic and I met my first business partner um, and we were working together for about maybe a year and a half and we decided to open up my first hair salon kaizen um which was in the February after the Lehman brothers collapsed in in September in America so it was like okay. bang smack start started the recession here yeah. everyone thought we were crazy. <laughs>
0: I, I did a similar thing. I was crazy, though. <laughs> no. Do you know what? If you can make a business work Absolutely. in that, then you'll make business work forever.
1: Absolutely. And I thought as well, like, we were 23. I always called the first year in business blissfully naive. Yes. Like, I didn't have a clue what I was going into. You know, I was like, I know I have a skill. I have yeah. a trade. If it doesn't work out, I can go back working somewhere else. That was my, that was my motto and my What's theory. What's the worst that can happen? Exactly. And... You know, one thing I did pick up and we brought into the salon for the first year is there's no recession talk in here. You know, yeah. this is a place where we just, you know, like talk about the good things in, in life and we're like, what's working well for you and stuff. So, um, yeah, that was a, a, a very interesting and it, and experience. did the recession
0: hit? I never I never felt the recession hit hair like it did beauty.
1: Um, I, I feel it was more the, maybe the unnecessary appointments like, okay, you know, your weekly blow, weekly blow dries and yeah. stuff like that. Um, actually, when you look at it statistically and stuff, uh, hair is something that tends to kind of go up in a recession because yeah. women want to feel better if they don't, or they want to look yeah. better to feel better if they're not in, a, in, a, in a, an environment that they're preferable around. So you know, I had nothing to compare it off because it was yeah. our first, my first business. We think we did really well, to be yeah. fair, you know. Yeah, really well.
0: And how long was that business
1: we had that business for just shy of five years. Okay. Yeah, and what happened? <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, just a little bit of background about that business. And leading up and yeah. integrating the story beforehand, you know, because I had suppressed so much trauma, this would have come up. I mean, you know, yourself being yeah. in business, it's it's challenging. It can be stressful. It requires a lot of self-discipline, a lot of self-mastery. Um, and that was something that I had avoided and distracted from for so long. So, you know, when the stressful times arose, I wasn't showing up in the best way I possibly could to lead a team. You know, my triggers were very evident. Um, I was probably not a very nice boss if I'm being totally transparent about it. Um, my leadership would have been a very old school way of leading um, and it did end up to the termination of that partnership okay. um, where, you know, the majority of my team decided to leave and go and work with the business partner and I one girl was coming with me. So that was a massive, huge awakening uh, for me, a massive, confident knock a confidence knock. Um, and with that, after I got over the whole victim consciousness of blaming everyone and not looking at myself, it was time to <laughs> yeah. go, OK, so really, how did this happen? You know, what created this reality? And that was the first time I really got an opportunity to, you know, responsively, responsibly in, in, do some introspection work to really okay. start take ownership of Okay, what are the things that are creating the triggers inside me? Like, how can I show up like a different version of me? What is leadership? You know, how do I want to define myself as a a leader? And
0: a genuine, because... Absolutely. However you were turning up, if you haven't dealt with the history... 100%. It's still not genuine. 100%.
1: You could be
0: the nicest person in the world as a boss. Absolutely. If if you're sad in the core, then...
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, you know, um. And I remember that at that point, there was a moment in time where I was going, okay, so that hasn't worked out. Would I like to look at something else? And my husband and my dad sat me down and they were like, no, no, you're really talented. You know, you can do this. You know, you're just you're not feeling confident. You know, go, go, go. But there was that little bit of "Mm, there's an opportunity here now. And at the same time, you know, I probably again <laughs> looking backwards yeah. suppressed that little bit of intuition, um, and decided, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it and open another one, and all dolled up was born out of that. Okay. Um, and you know, all dolled up was a fantastic creation. If I do say so myself, I'm so proud of that business. Um, I really put my heart and soul into it, um, and at the same time. I feel that the reason for me setting that business up wasn't very genuine. Um it was to show everybody what I could do uh, to ensure that it would be the better Sauron. Um now I did bring a lot of my own my own development work and my leadership was completely different. And that was very evident by how quickly the business grew. Yes. But when I hit a point where what I had wanted to achieve, you know, kind of manifested, it still wasn't filling that inner yearning of what really I wanted to to create. And how
0: did you get, you know, where, when was the light bulb moment? How long had you been in business and, and when did you realise, actually, I, I need more?
1: Hmm. Um. Probably after... The birth of my daughter. Okay. So I was in the business a year, it all dialed up. Um, I got pregnant, and had a brilliant pregnancy. Everything went well. Assumed that afterwards was going to be the same, and it wasn't. Um, I experienced postnatal depression for a good year, um, which was all the old trauma coming up yeah. to to be healed. Um, which again I was ignoring and distracting from. Um, I ended up uh, with my GP who uh, telling her that again I felt a bit suicidal was writing me a prescription for six weeks um, and I've never I've never heard from that doctor again just an FYI and you know I remember coming out of yeah I remember coming out of that appointment thinking oh my goodness like is this the only solution and I actually ended up in house for a while and
0: what an amazing organisation oh my in. goodness
1: Like they literally are light bringers, light workers, earth angels, you know, um, I can hand to my heart say they really showed me where light, where I really only was seeing darkness. And, you know, in my time with Pieda, it really allowed me the opportunity to um, process life. It was the first time I'd really stopped and kind of gone, okay, (laughs) you know, how am I here? And you know what's not serving me, um, and really start to create space for myself in my own life. I'd spent I spent my formative years doing, 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 and now it was time to start incorporating being.
0: And can I ask, um, when you say you spent some time with it, did, did you make that decision to contact them? Did somebody recognise that in you and take you to them? How did that work?
1: Yeah, um, it was actually my husband suggested it, okay. um. He was the only person that really knew, I suppose, what would, the, the depths of what I was experiencing. And he just sat me down one time uh, shortly after Christmas saying, you know, I don't believe I have the professional capacity to help you navigate what you're going through. And what would you think of maybe contacting Peterhouse? House? I can do it for you. Um, initial Initial thoughts were, that's not like someone for me. That isn't a place like yes. someone like me would go to. Judgment immediately, yeah. Um, which when you think about it is quite ironic, because I was experiencing, you know, suicidal yeah. thoughts and it's for crisis suicidally ideation. Um, but they're like immediately, like I was kind of like the stigma stuff started to come up, um, and. When I really sat down, I was like, okay, I have a child, you know, my husband is not is finding it challenging to cope with, this is what my doctor's solution was, you know, it's probably time to maybe take some formative action and actually try try it out anyway. Uh, one of the better decisions I've made in my life. Yeah. It was the first time I've experienced someone holding space for me. I've heard of that term before, I didn't really understand it. Um... Uh, which was just literally someone sitting and, you know, holding the energetic resonance of like love and peace and compassion and non-judgment and allow me to process anything that was coming up without trying to fix or solve or resolve or guide or direct. Um, it was a very transformational experience for me. Mm. It's amazing. And and when you,
0: like, I don't want to sound like everything was
1: fixed when mm-hmm. you leave because I'm
0: sure there's so much Hopefully. work that you do. Absolutely. But did you feel release when you when you when they let
1: hugely? Yeah. I mean, you know, my journey back to well-being really took I suppose 12 to 18 months after that. Yeah. Um And do they keep with you over that time? Um you 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 can. Yeah. Um I think you can kind of, you know, touch back in with them and stuff like that. You get a, a certain amount of sessions um initially. Gratefully, um, I felt strong enough after I think about five of them to take matters uh, into, into own my own hands. hands. I felt I was capable to do that, and I wanted to free up space for someone who maybe would have needed it more than I did at that space, or at that point. Um, but yeah, what an incredible charity. Yeah,
0: mm. and where did you go from there, then, cleaner?
1: Okay, so I did a yoga and meditation retreat six months after yeah. this. I think we spoke about yeah. this at a line um, with Jeannie um, G- uh, Janti of Anam Solis Yoga. Um, and this was over in Andalusia in the south of Spain. She does Spain. these annually. It's so beautiful. Um, <laughs> and this is going to sound so cliched, uh, but I'm sitting up on a mountain talk one one evening meditating and i was doing a little bit of bargaining with you know god source whoever it is you believe in i didn't have very strategic fixed beliefs at that point um just saying look you know, I've come this far just please help and support and guide me and I will literally do whatever you want for the rest of my life. And I got a very very clear image of me standing in front of people um speaking and I knew it was around sharing my life story, my life experience. I kind of started laughing and I was like, yeah, anything but that cuz I hate public speaking. So I won't be doing that. Um <laughs> and funny, that's kind of what I've ended up yeah, doing. Absolutely.
0: Um, Look what's happened.
1: I know um i also realized at that point that i was going to be selling my business um all dolled up um i knew that my passion for owning a hair salon and stuff um just wasn't really there anymore yeah. um i had a fabulous team and you know really it wasn't fair in them and it wasn't fair in me to stay somewhere where my my heart and soul wasn't within so i Literally spent the next year ensuring that the business was running as efficiently as possible so that when the opportunity came to sell, that, that it could be done very effectively yes. and cohesively.
0: And how did you find your buyer?
1: <laughs> this is a story of synchronicity. Okay. So when I decided first I was going to sell it, um, you know, naturally with a business like that, it's not something you put up on Facebook because you've got a whole team yes. and it can be very vulnerable. <laughs> um. And as well, like, you know, there isn't huge amounts of places you can really advertise a business for sale, but not tell anyone what the business yes. is. So, you know, my husband was like, how are we going to sell it? Like, first of all, what you're looking for is astronomical. No one's going to pay that price for a business when they can go, open an, uh, go out and open yeah. one for a fifth of the price. So I was like, no, nope, this is what I meant to be doing. So I will be supported. And it was a Monday morning and we didn't open the salon on a Monday and my husband was in fixing one of the um the light bulbs on one of the sections and he was kind of down low and I think this was in the April and one of the the hair supply reps and a gentleman were passing the salon and they were looking in the window and they were chatting and they were pointing and they didn't see Tiernan and he recognized the, the rep and popped up and started waving. And the two of them started to walk away. And Tiernan opened the door and he's like, oh, Hey, Mike, how are things? You know, what are you up to? And he's like, Oh, hi, Tiernan. Um, I'm just kind of around and colleague. Uh, this is Cal. He's over from D- Dubai. His wife and kids have moved back here. He's looking to open, you know, a hair salon. I'm just showing him some of the, the businesses and salons that are around. And he goes, uh, You're not looking to sell a hair salon by any chance, are you? And that's how that happened. Yeah, <laughs> divine, amazing, timing, divine timing. Divine yeah. timing. So
0: that freed you up to do what you want to do.
1: Absolutely. To so coach. in the meantime, I had started the life and business coaching course. Lovely. Um, which, you know, I, I suppose I'd been doing unofficially within uh, the businesses, both of them. Like I was really passionate about, you know, people development, coaching, guiding, creating visions, helping people execute them and stuff. Um, so that seemed like a natural place to kind of go into. Um, yeah, so so's sold the business and really I've spent the past year, I suppose, immersing myself in this new industry, really looking at, you know, trying things out. Yes. Just like the hairdressing industry, so many vast opportunities and areas you can kind of go into. So the past year for me has been working with one-on-one clients, with groups of people, um, creating events, charity events for Pieta line, um, creating Holistic Welbing Days. Um, I just recently created a meditation work- experiential workshop called Space. Um, I've facilitated retreats and experiential workshops with uh, coaches from the States. And I've just curated my inaugural online energy management program called Momentum which I'll be launching in August. So So basically
0: you're just not busy.
1: (laughs) No not at all. You know something you know something. I am but I learned so much about how not to do it that I've really utilized the past year to manage my energy and not my time yes you know and and the space that you're working in now the energy is so positive oh my goodness everyone i meet and everyone i work with are just phenomenal people yeah
0: i hate the word wellness but i work in that industry (laughs) i work in that industry and i love it Mm -hmm. um you know i always say the people that i meet on a daily basis are here for a lovely time absolutely so you really have to do something wrong to change that absolutely um and you know there's nothing there's nothing nicer to do something nice for somebody. Absolutely. So that when they leave, they feel better about themselves. 100%. But uh, no, it's a nice arena. <laughs> and I'm sure you're happy that you did it.
1: I am. I am indeed. Um, I've had a tiny little bit of a U-turn yeah. recently as well, Sean. I don't know if you know no, this. I but know. I- <laughs> What's going on? I've actually been redirected back into the hairdressing industry. So... Um, I've had a few salon owners recently reach out to me with um, a few challenges that they were experiencing um, within the business. And... um, I've started to take on kind of six monthly projects with salon owners to help them create a vision that's aligned with what they want for their life and help to integrate it into the business and execute it internally so my first uh, six-month project began last week I'm so oh excited yeah 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 and it's an industry I know like the back of my hand yeah, absolutely I'm doing what I love within it I don't have to own the actual business and deal with the day-to-day yes. so it's, it's well a as, as you
0: know I'm a business coach and, and yes. that's, I do a lot of startups mm-hmm. and so yeah I I love that bit of, of nurturing a business mm. and then being able to,
1: to leave it in to hands. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I know, I'm so excited that's about perfect, it. That's <laughs> perfect,
0: isn't it? <laughs> totally. That really is aligned. Um, and that brings you to where you are
1: today. Exactly. That's exactly. amazing.
0: So, obviously, the podcast is called Be Bell, Being Beautiful, and mm. um, I'm always interested to know mm. what the word beautiful means to you.
1: Mm. Mm. Lovely question. Um, I suppose... Previously, and we're conditioned in society to think of beauty as external. To me, beauty and beautiful is when an individual, male or female, is able to own their inner strengths and the truth of who they are and unapologetically step into them and create magic from it.
0: Yeah. I'm all for it. You know me. I always, I always say, if you look like you belong, you belong. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to go to the pot. Your predecessors have okay. left a few questions. <laughs> we're just going to pick two.
1: Fun, fun, fun. Um,
0: just open them, read them out loud and, okay. and give us your answer.
1: Okay. Always interested to see what people leave. What makes you happy? Oh, mm. wow. That's a hard question. Mm. I love it. What makes me happy? Today, cleaner, <laughs> I'm breathing into it. Um, I suppose the first thing that kind of comes to mind is when I'm able to use my gifts and talents for the benefit of other people and see them really, you know, gain clarity around areas that they're stuck in and move yeah. forward absolutely love i think it. it's
0: one thing blossoming ourselves isn't it but yeah if we i get much more joy i always say are you a are you a present giver or present taker absolutely i get more joy from watching someone and hold a Me present too. than from getting one because normally i go what's this oh, i do really don't need it
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah I'll grab another oh, I love one favorite place in the world to visit Ooh. <laughs> A hard one too. It is, and, and I've been like I've been to loads of beautiful international destinations, and one place that keeps calling me back is actually Lanzarote.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and and it's such a place people either love or hate, but the energy there. Just, I've been twice this year. Oh, I love it. Yeah. You, you know yourself. Yeah. It just really sings to my soul, and I feel very at home there. So. I would have to say (laughs) Lanzarote.
0: I think that's good. And since I've been there twice, I think that's a good, good finish to our lovely podcast. Thank you so, so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Shan. No problem.